following the Raptor show with Will Lou because I get my Raptor fix just in. You get like 90 seconds. That's just enough. <laughs> just enough to tell Will. Great playoff atmosphere. Raptors and Celtics. Overtime. Huge win. Playoff atmosphere. Let's go. I say to Will, can we go back to back tonight for Toronto fans? Leafs, Bruins. Can we get playoff yes. atmosphere tonight? Fire it up, Kipper. I hope it's not a play- playoff atmosphere there because it never goes well in the playoffs there. They played 14 times over two series. That's not bad. Perfect timing, <laughs> Sammy. Yes. It's funny. Miserable years, 2013, <laughs> 18, and 19. They don't have to slay any dragon tonight, but they could with a big win. Will Smith them. <laughs> That's a verb now. What do you think? <laughs> I would love a good Will Smithing of the Bruins tonight. That would be wonderful. <laughs> I guess if you're Chris Rock, you're hoping it gets called Will Smithing and not getting Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock works better, though. It sure does. Uh, Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Rolnick here for the next two hours. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game. Uh, this is the most excited you've been all year. It is. Yeah. That's great. It is. The Bruins are one of the hottest teams over the last, I think, 30 games, maybe Colorado and Florida have them on either percentage points or... or they're, they're right there. Whatever. They are right there. And this one, in that atmosphere, on the road, to me, is maybe the biggest measuring stick that I've seen all year. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great to get a sense of where these teams are at. Uh, you mentioned how hot they are. Last I checked, the Bruins were at 8-1-1 one one in their last 10. They just don't lose anymore. Humming along, so yeah, I'm excited to see it too. Sammy, what's your feel? He's already nervous. Vi- visually, just just visually, for me watching games in that building, I just hate it. I hate it. There's certain there's certain places that you just. What's you, the memories? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's the memories. It's lots of just beautiful memories. Go back to the place there. your high school girlfriend dumped you, and you won't but like that just, view either just around the, there. Just the camera angle, the way the stands look. It's just, it's not an enjoyable experience watching the Leafs play there. <laughs> and I think back to 2019 where they actually won game five there with Austin Matthews scoring the go-ahead goal late in the third period. Kasperi Kaplan scoring the goal to ensure the win and then yeah. coming back here losing on home ice and then going down there and losing game seven again I, it's just the if it wasn't the playoff stuff wasn't looming tonight would feel different but it just feels like they're on a collision course and tonight is the first matchup of a nine game series you know and it they re- played them the last game of the year it too. really feels like a real playoff game tonight it's like yeah so the only question is 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 Boston's game in better shape right now than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do they know who their goalie is? Because if so, the answer is yes. <laughs> right? I mean, the goaltending situation at Swayman. For Toronto, who's going to start game one? Probably Campbell. And, and we don't even know. So I would say that's the biggest difference to me is you just trust their crease right now. Even though it's a rookie goaltender, it's... This, if, if, yeah, you are correct. Uh you want to start with a goaltending conversation? Swayman is in much better shape yeah. than whatever Mrazic will bring in tonight or what awaits Jack Campbell maybe as early as Thursday against Winnipeg. Those guys... That have, early, you think, yeah. 
Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe it's the weekend. Yeah. It, maybe Mrazek, if he stands on his head tonight and comes up with a big win, automatically goes into a, a Thursday situation with Winnipeg. But mm-hmm. I, I think Jack's real close. And depending on what you see tonight, I, I really believe Jack could have a an opportunity to start against Winnipeg. Awesome. I, I think that'd be great, right? The the sooner you can get him back in, get him back feeling it pucks at the NHL level and feeling confident, the better. So that that is a nerve-wracking situation. It feels like he's been out forever, but I think it's just because you haven't exactly been comfortable with who's in the net on any night since he's been gone. So his absence has been sorely missed. Also on the program, uh, joining us in about uh, 15 minutes, Andrew Raycroft, former uh NHL goalie, of course, uh, including the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, uh, Nissan uh, studio analyst for the Boston Bruins, also co-hosting uh, the morning uh, brew with uh, Billy Jaffe, our good friend here at Sportsnet uh, over the years. And uh, Razor and him are doing a, a terrific job. So we'll wel- welcome Andrew uh, Raycroft uh, soon. Wayne Scanlon, also uh, Ottawa Senators writer for many years, who's now working at Sportsnet.ca, will be along to discuss uh, the news last night mm-hmm. out of Ottawa, the one that uh, surprised many of us, uh, Eugene Melnick passing away at age 63. And we'll, uh, we'll get into that uh, with, with Wayne, but uh, the condolences from uh, the Real Kipper and Bourne show to sure. uh, the National Hockey Le- League losing one of its own and, of course, uh, the Ottawa community. Yep, uh, obviously just way too young and uh, a guy who was heavily involved, you know, whether you agree or disagree with with, with all the decision-making. Um, too young, a uh, big part of the community, so sad news. Also in the second hour, Jamal Mayers, and you guys are working tonight, uh, are you not? Uh, is, uh, no, is no Jamal, but no, not tonight, but he uh, he's here. We'll, we'll get him. I think he's on some more shows in the upcoming week uh, on the television side, but uh, right, tonight, he's, he's I'm on with not, the exit for my first time tonight. He's just not good enough for you tonight, that's well, all. you know, we'll take him here. Right. We'll, we'll take him on Real Kipper and Bourne. We can let him go for a walk. It's too condensed on, on TV. Plenty coming up in the next couple hours, uh, but before we uh, we get into that, uh, let's dive in deeper to uh, uh, the matchup tonight against the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned uh, the Bruins probably in better shape in net going into tonight. I got to argue that uh, they're in better shape up front too. Think so? Yeah, I I think right now is that commentary on the Bruins or the Leafs? Bruins on the Bruins. Just you like you like the way they're. I like, I think, their first two lines and the consistency that they're now getting than what's coming out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And uh, let's, uh, let's throw to uh, our first uh, Kippers Clippers on Sheldon Keefe discuss- discussing his second line. Well, like, right now it's, you know, it's, it's high on the list for sure. Uh, uh, it has been throughout the season at times very good for us, so we're confident in that that uh, we can get it to that point. At the same time, you know, as we mix things up here, maybe something else comes to light that we, that we like. Uh, you, know, we, you know, we have gone at different times in the last while, you know, where we've kind of put, put John and Will on different lines. You know, we, as you guys know, we've done that and wanted to get a look at that and, and uh, sort of shifted back. But here we are again, and, and it's another another look at that. We'll see what comes of it. You know, either we find some good chemistry here that re- that really works. Um, if we can get three lines really going, then all the better. Four would be would be would be best. That's what that's really what our goal is. Uh, I think when we look at it, you know, we played Florida 
you know, the other night, uh, Boston here tonight. And I think those are kind of the, the hallmarks of, of, the, of the top teams is that they've got four lines that can really go. You know what I got out of that? No. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of ideas. We tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> it, could, it, it could work. It could not work. Yeah, but it's ridiculous to me that the, the, you're right that we're having this conversation when the top line's the same and you're going back to John and Willie. You're running out of runway if you do want to experiment. We talked about some lines uh, before the show. You know, some of them, potential ideas could include Mitch Marner at center or could include Blackwell getting a bit more run. Something like, you like Mikheyev, Tavares, Camp, or sorry, Mikheyev, Tavares, Engvall you liked, Sammy? Yeah. I, I like anything except what they've been doing you know with the second and fourth line basically yeah i i I, like i love the first line obviously how can you not it's been unbelievable yes but it's it's time to like we've been saying rob peter to play paul here yeah you you gotta you gotta mix it up and he 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 is splitting them up again tonight with with nylander and and tavares nylander's going out of the third line it's mikhaev right kerfoot tavares but it's just kind of more the same. Kind of the same. Like I, I don't shape. necessarily need to see Kerfoot still in the top six. Like it, I really to me in these last, however many games are left here, it really seems like a chance to me to just throw this baby into the blender and see what you can do, including the top line getting ready heading into the playoffs. You got almost twenty million dollars between Nylander and Tavares. It, they they have to be on the second line. They have to be. When, when it's all said and done and we're yeah. starting game one or game two, they have to be down there. They the have quest, to be on the, in the top six. They have to be in the top six for yeah. the Leafs to have any real success. Right. But in saying that, where do you look at Tavares and Nylander now? Mm-hmm. Who's to blame more? Yeah. Is, it, is, is, is Nylander pulling down Tavares or is it the other way around? Well, this is this is something that I you know that came out of our show discussion yesterday when we talked about Willie, is you know the guy Neilander's making seven, you know when Tavares is making eleven, you know Tavares is the center. At some point, you would like Tavares to be able to power a line. You know that that's part of the plan here is that he's going to be good enough to. And we've been talking about solutions for how to get Tavares going. I know he scored twice last game. He scored twice on the power play off Marner dishes. But that's not. Uh, Tavares on the power play, different animal. Six feet from the net, yeah. Still looks as as good as he ever did coming out of Oshawa or London, out of junior hockey. We know he's good at that. Right. He's great world at class that. from ten feet in. World class, but he's not moving his feet, right? It's hands, it's yeah. IQ, yeah. But it's it's the stuff in between that. And so this is a major problem. Is when we talk about the second line falling behind. Is Tavares, has he lost enough of a step? Can we conclude that he's lost enough of a step that he can't power a line anymore? You know, I, I'm not ready to make that conclusion. I think, you know, given some more, I think he could use a little time off, maybe rest his legs a little bit. I think heading into playoffs, if he looks like he's looked for the last little bit, which I know he's getting some points, has, it's just has not the, going to be good <laughs> enough for them. Has the game sped up 3 or 5% more in the last 18 months, and has he dropped three or five percent yeah and that it's a valid point when you when, when you have marner and matthews out there there is a pace of play that is off the charts mm-hmm. and there is a significant drop off 
Yeah. When they go to Tavares uh, at the number two hole. But yeah, I think I I think I've talked to you guys about this before. Maybe I haven't mentioned this. I've talked about it with other people on other shows before I started doing this. You got this. another show you're no, writing on us? <laughs> no, before I started doing this show, you know, when I used to host here and there. I just think that the Matthews-Marner combo is so elite and so devastating and so amazing to watch. I think whoever comes over the boards next, pretty much no matter what, is going to look a little bit lackluster. But also, Sammy, they should be playing a lesser quality of competition, and that should help sure. them out. But I'm just saying that if you're measuring what Tavares brings against against uh, Matthews and Marner, you're going to be severely disappointed. No? Yeah, it's a high measuring stick, but not, he is paid like them. Correct. So yeah, I think it's fair to expect somewhere in that ballpark. Just, you know, he's played a couple of playoff series with the Leafs. Obviously, last year didn't have the chance to do it. But in, you know, in the games prior to that, he was well below. He was yeah, eight points in 13 games with the Leafs in, in the postseason. I, I'm just saying they're going to need Tavares if they're going to get through. They're going to need him. He's going to have to have a series for them. 100%. Yeah. No doubt about that. And the difference right now, and... You can argue that the Boston Bruins over the last few years have been pushed hard with Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. Mm-hmm. We heard it. One-line team the last few years. Yeah. And I don't know when it happened. Maybe January or February. The decision to take Pasternak off of Marchand and Bergeron. That's it's allowed. That's what's changed the Boston <laughs> you Bruins. You can do it. Yeah. That's what's changed the Boston Bruins. It has. It's given life to their they, second they line. They have two good lines right now. Hall, Halla, and Pasta. And Pasternak finds a way to score a hat trick without playing with Marchand and Bergeron. You don't hear him whine, complain. You know, he doesn't suck. Pasternak's the best, man. The, the lip it's isn't dragging on the floor. <laughs> yeah. and, and now, in fairness, we're not saying anyone on Toronto has done that because no one's been asked to. So tonight the Leafs will see Halla. Hall and Pasternak yeah. as a second unit and DeBrusk, Bergeron, and Marchand. That is, and if you want to go even deeper, that Coyle, Smith, and Frederick line. Frederick plays third line, eh? Yes. His real minutes is, like, th- their house is a lot more in order right now with their 12 forwards than the Toronto Maple I Leafs. know they've been good. I don't love that line. Like I, I think that would be an awesome matchup between the Leafs' third line and that third yeah. line. Like, I think there's potential for that to be really good. Yeah, the Leafs' third line's awesome. I mean, they, they've been it's really, really legitimately good. Legitimately, their fourth line as of tonight, Kipper, I believe, is Nick Felino, Thomas Noshik, and Curtis Lazar. Yes, pretty yeah. good four. It is They're pretty good three. But you can people, also argue that you're paying almost four million dollars a year for Nick Felino on the fourth line. That was yeah. a bit of a it's, a it's a bit of a miss. Yeah, by the Boston Bruins. Two but more years after this, I, too. I, I think they can live with it right now. Yeah. Well, but, the, the way they're humming along for sure. And the problem now is. With the Leafs' questionable second line, the heat's on Tavares, but there's also the heat on Willie Nylander, and he spoke about it. And just listen listen to Nylander talk about his struggles here. Uh, obviously, yeah, it's uh, something that I don't like, obviously, and it's... Uh... It's a shitty feeling, but I I don't know. It's uh, it's certain situations where it just uh, the puck just finds its way in, and I mean, for example, there are a couple of ones like maybe in uh, Montreal where I could have that guy and uh, avoid that being a goal. Like, but I mean, it's just been uh, it's just been happening in you know, some weird ways uh, sometimes, and then obviously maybe like a couple times like the one uh, 
not as bad as the one in Montreal, but a few like that. See, he was great with the curse word. Oops. He just needed to stop there. <laughs> I, okay? Yeah, On the Real Kipper and Born show, you can hear real language. I was supposed to blank that no, one No, out. no, 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 no. You weren't supposed to. Okay? You weren't supposed to because at least we got to hear real passion from him yeah. in terms of the frustration. There, yeah. is, there is frustration in him. Sure. You can Which talk is, about... At least it's a start. Yeah, but I mean, I've been in a relationship for some with someone for 13 years with my fiance Allie, and it's you know you talk about, hey, talk is cheap. How many times have I heard that over 13 years? You know, show me with your actions. You can say all the things you want to say. <laughs> Hold on, is he Sammy talking? having trouble at home? No, is he talking about commitment? And he just said 13 years. No, 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 no. Years just like in married? terms of doing things, in terms of you know, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to do the laundry more. Or I'm going to cook know, dinner more, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. And you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's a crappy feeling. I take accountability. Talk is cheap, man. My junior coach used to say, talk is cheap. Whiskey costs money. You know, like, get out there. You, you... He, he did kind of try to talk himself out of why, though, towards the end of his he comments. He couched it. He uh, couched right? it. That was absolute word salad gobbledygook <laughs> towards the end as well you know the guy and then the one time but the other way all right well we get it but tonight i think that's what the leafs are up against and it doesn't stop there I, they're I, solid on one there's questions on the second line they're solid on the third line and the fourth line will have a different look tonight as well what would you like to see out of the leafs fourth line kipper or should we start with Sheldon's opinion on that? Well, let's go to we'll go to uh, Sheldon Keefe on the fourth line, and then we'll we'll come out of it and right. have our discussion. Cool. Well, you know, I think in terms of identity, I think we have different mix of players. Obviously, look at a player like Nick that's coming here now, and and Blackwell's still new and fresh to the group. Um, so, in terms of the identity itself, I mean, it depends on who's in or who's out or what what that looks like. But what we're looking for from the fourth line is to just be a line that can look to win shifts for us, generate momentum, um, you know, spend time on the, in the op, in the other team's end, and uh, give us energy, physicality, presence, those kind of things. Um, that's really what you're looking for, just to uh, you know, build momentum for the team when it's not going and get some energy. Uh, keep the momentum going if it is going, and and not uh, not have it go the other way. So that's something we've been experimenting with. Uh, we're going to try Blackwell in the middle here tonight, and uh, I'll put Spaz on the wing and, and see how that goes. And a lot of experimenting going into this Fourth game. Fourth line, yeah, so, mad experimenting. So everything he said there is basically we want them to do the opposite of what they've been doing for the past. My takeaway from all that, Sam, was momentum. He wants them to just not lose the momentum, to keep the momentum, momentum. They don't have to score. They don't have to score it on. Just keep the play going the right way. Don't get hemmed in. And even if, you know, a couple of big hits or some energy hustle, like just some, all right, we felt good about that shift. You want to feel good about some shifts after the fourth line's been out there. Hasn't happened much lately. We know what the the bad penalty did to Kyle Clifford last week. He hasn't seen... Send him to the Marlies, right? Sense, yeah. But he is a typical professional fourth-line player. Yeah. And outside of that horrific holding penalty that we saw in Nashville, he does fit the bill. He does, but does it work when you don't have two other guys who fit the bill? When you're saying, all right, it's Colin well, Blackwell and Jason Spezza. This is where I think 
Blackwell will be smart enough to keep it simple. He does have the he speed. He finishes his check, too. He does. he does. Yeah, he's a little fire plug out there. Yeah, he'll go 200 feet. I like that he's playing center and Spezza can he, skate he, less. He can skate. Yeah. We know he can handle the puck. He can score. But I think he's smart enough to to make sure that uh, it'll fall under the structure of think of, of what Sheldon yeah. wants. He went to Harvard. He, he should be able to figure this out. And, again, I, I give Jason Spezza full credit for being able to do what he's done. Yeah. He does not fit the bill of a fourth line. Yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious to see cuz I I do agree and it has he hasn't been great lately. I wonder if they if he doesn't play you know right away in playoffs but if there's a spot higher up the lineup like would they play him if they needed a guy in the third line or the second line cuz you're right the fourth line I don't know. I the vision for what the fourth line was going to be has been abandoned. It's not going to be this line that controls the play and chips in offensively anymore. It just feels like they're just trying not to fall behind with the fourth line now. It's a fast 20 minutes. Kaboom. Sammy's telling me Andrew Raycroft's good to go here. Uh, Let's go to Andrew uh, Nissen, studio analyst and uh, morning brew with Billy Jaffa. What's going on, Andrew? Thanks for joining us. You got it, guys. Happy to jump on. Are you as excited as I am for this? Because we went Celtics-Raptors last night, and I'm expecting the same carryover into Leafs-Bruins tonight. I am. Uh, yeah, I'm heading down to the garden here in an hour, so it should be It's gonna. There's going to be a good buzz in the building. Everyone's, like you just brought up, the Celtics, everyone's pretty fired up in the city about the two, two Boston teams right now and, and the role that they're on and, and having the Leafs come into town for the first time in a long time will be, will be exciting. One of the things that uh, I, I talked about real early in the season on, and I, I, I'm horrifically wrong on this, but there would have been a drop-off of the Boston Bruins. I thought I was looking like a genius earlier in the season. And then they made a couple of changes. Uh, Pasternak no longer with Bergeron and Marchman, or Marchand, sorry. And, of course, the, the most recent one is on defense with Lindholm. And the other one is right up your alley, and this Swayman coming in and really locking in their go-to goalie right now. They're a different-looking team than they were a few months ago. Correct, Andrew? No question. They're extremely different, especially since since the offseason and what the expectation was of this team. And Guys, it all comes down to, to the culture and the defensive system that they have in place. And Coach Cassidy talked about that this morning um, prior to the game tonight. It, 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 that is locked in, and that isn't moving anywhere. And, yes, they've, they've had to move a few pieces around, and they've had to put some guys in different roles. And then, of course, Jeremy Swayman jumping in and, and doing the job that he has with so much uncertainty, with Tuka Rask in the mix the first three months of the season practicing, and uh, Jeremy gets sent down, and then he gets called back up. And, and his first game back after Tuka retires, he doesn't play very well against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And since then, he's been lights out. Since then, he's, he's crossed the all-adversity hurdles. And not to overlook Linus Allmark as well. He's, he's played. His numbers don't look the same. Uh, he's had a little bit of puck luck at times where it didn't go his way, a couple last-second losses. But he's been very solid. And, and in the earlier months when things weren't going great for the Bruins, he, he stole two, three, four wins for them that, that are showing up in the standings now. 
Andrew, when we've been comparing the Bruins lineup to the Leafs, uh, one thing we notice is that they, they don't keep their big three together, right? They've got Marchand and Bergeron separated from Pasternak. How has DeBrusque done in that role on the right side? How, how has his attitude been uh, since not getting traded as we expected at the deadline? It's been good. It's been good. And the, the, the concern with Jake is always consistency. It's always the, the day-to-day Game to game, what are we going to get from Jake? And I think having to play with with Brad Marchand, Patrice has been out, so we haven't seen a whole lot of that um, the last the last two weeks. Um, Patrice just came back in the lineup the other day, but uh, you, you just you wait for Jake to show up. But I but like I said, playing with those guys, he's got to bring it every day. That's the expectation from those two Hall of Fame guys. And, and but. More importantly, what it's done is it's just put everybody in the right positions to be able to have the third line the Bruins have, have Taylor Hall and David Pasternak together with Hall in the middle. Those guys are pushing the pace, and arguably that's the top line in the last four or five weeks for the Bruins. Any chance DeBrusque and Willie Nylander had dinner last night and exchanged a few <laughs> inconsistency stories? <laughs> it's so similar. It is so similar. Just the demeanor of the players, the talent level that you know they have, the talent and the the grit that they've shown at times that you know that they have deep down inside, and then the disappearance of it uh, on any given shift, any given game. I want to talk about a little bit about Swayman and just watching the last few starts. He looks incredibly calm. I don't know if anyone explained to him he's on an original six team with high expectations or not, but he hasn't acted like he's had that conversation with himself at all. Has he, has Tuka Rask or even Allmark been influential on him at, at, at all? Because I'm thinking that, you know, Allmark was signed for 5 million a year. I mean, he's, he's got his spot, but yet there seems to be cohesiveness amongst both of them and maybe Tuka to a certain extent as well. Well, I, I think Tuca helped a little bit, but I think having Tuca around brought Allmark and Swayman closer together. Um, really? Just having to deal with those conversations and everyone asking when Tuca's coming back. I think those two guys hit it off. And, and with Allmark, with, with the five-year deal, he's locked in. Whether he plays 10 games this year or if he plays 55 games this year, he's going to make his money. He's going to be on this team next season. He's got a no-move. So I, he's the personality where I don't think he I, – I honestly don't believe he's concerned in any way whether Swayman plays these games or not. I think he, he really dials into his game when he goes out there. He tries his best. But he, the, the way he answers and the way his demeanor is, I, I think he's happy to help. And I think they've really gotten along. I think they're very comfortable with, uh, with each other. And, and yes, they're, of course, they're competing. It's the, it's the National Hockey League. But – they, they really get along, and I think that's brought, made things easier for Swayman in that respect where he can go out and, and go on a run but, but not feel like he's threatening anybody. That's a big thing for a young goalie. For sure. Uh, and it helps to play uh, behind some very good D. The addition of Hampus Lindholm really changes the look of this uh, Bruins decor. Um, I've got it as Lindholm, McAvoy, uh, Grizzlick, Carlo, and Forbort, Clifton. Uh, what are your thoughts on that six? Will that likely be their six in, in the postseason? And is it good enough? Well, is it good enough remains to be seen. We, we know Florida, we know Carolina, we know Tampa, we know what they have up front. And, and is, is 60 enough or do you need 10 D to play those, those yeah. teams in the playoffs? That's, 
That's the big one. That's a, it is still a question mark. But but Lindholm checked every single box for the Bruins. Could not have been more of a perfect fit. They've been searching for a left-handed shooting defenseman that can play over 20 minutes for what feels like an eternity. And now with Charlie McAvoy and and Lindholm, those guys can eat 25 minutes each handily. And you can see that happening. The Bruins just not have not been able to go down to four defensemen for two or three years now. And I think it's hurt them come playoff time when you, I think when you when you get to playoff time, you actually want to be able to to shorten those minutes up for some guys out there. And addition by subtraction happens a lot come playoff time. And I think that's why you look at the headmans of the world where they can go out and play thirty five minutes in certain games that they need to and just to keep everybody else off the ice. And now that you have McAvoy and Lindholm that can both do that, the Bruins can turn into a, a four defenseman rotation for most third periods if they have to. And uh, I don't know. They've talked about moving Lindholm with Carlo at some point um, in the next 15 games to get him used to it. It feels like, again, they're going to go Lindholm-McAvoy to play heavy minutes to be able to play that four defenseman, five defenseman system. But they are going to move him around a little bit, but but he's a perfect fit and to eat those minutes the way he does is, is huge for the Bruins. For the Leafs tonight, I'm sure Austin's going to see a lot of Lynn Holman McAvoy, who I, I can you think of a better defensive pair right now in the league than those two guys? I mean, yeah, I'm good. but uh, the, 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 the Carlo, if it stays intact as your second pair, is that the one the Leafs are going to have to expose tonight? Is, is that a, is that a big gap between Lindholm and, and McAvoy down to Grizzlick and, and Carlo? I mean, is it still my question to you, even with Lindholm, is this unit good enough as a six to really get these Bruins to maybe a Stanley cup final? Carlo's got to take more of a step and we've seen, we've seen it from Brandon Carlo, the Toronto Maple Leaf series passed in the first round of the playoffs and taking on, he was the one taking Matthews on. He was the one taking on the, the top line of the Leafs and doing a good job against them. He's got to get back to that. He's had the injuries. He's had the concussion issues. There's been times when he's felt pretty close to dominant defensively. Again, he's not wowing anybody up and down the ice, but but that lockdown guy, and when he's with Grizz, if he can be the lockdown guy, they've done a good job on the PK, but five on five, if Carlo can get that consistency, he's going to have to do that if, if, to answer your question. If the Bruins are really, it, it, it really does fall on Carlo now on the back end to be that second pairing guy. Uh, and yes, I would expect uh, the, the Leafs to be able to try and attack that, that second defensive pairing, because again, you know they could be a little bit a little bit poorest come in the back end, a little, little more holes on the backside if you, if you forecheck hard against them. Mm-hmm. How, how has uh, Nick Felino been? He's obviously of interest to, to Leafs fans here. I see he's looking at uh, fourth-line minutes for a guy you're paying pretty, pretty well. Obviously, it hasn't gone quite to plan. It hasn't, and, and, but I think this is the plan now. Okay. I think the, the writing's on the wall here that he's a fourth-line guy. And with Trent Frederick stepping up along with Coyle and Smith, they've been an incredible third line. And Charlie Coyle's kind of that guy where Bergeron's not in the lineup or if they need to give him a break, he kind of takes on that that extra center-type role. But, but Felito doesn't really fit this lineup now. He's not playing on the second line with David Pasternak and Taylor Hall on the wings. 
He's not going all the way up to the first line. So I think it's actually been the, the turnaround for the Bruins has culminated with him ending up on the fourth line. He was struggling to score, but he's a great leader. He's a good voice for that bottom six. There's not a lot of voices there. And when you have Bergeron and, and Marshawn up top, sometimes you, you get lost. They're, they're worrying about the power play, and you need guys to, to help with the roles on the bottom two lines. And that's what Nick Foligno does. So I, I, I suppose you don't want to pay $3 million for that, but, but that's where the Bruins are, and, and, and they're going to try and get the most out of that. We're talking to Andrew Raycroft, uh, Nissan and the Bruins studio analyst and uh, former NHL goalie. Unlike the Leafs, uh, no real question marks when it comes to their second line with Hall, Hulla, and and Pasternak. Taylor Hall's been one of those guys where coming out of New Jersey and then a a couple of spots uh, was always a guy that you, you felt like teams had to get him the puck. Now, all of a sudden... It's Taylor Hall who may have to be getting the puck for a guy like Pasternak. How, how good has Pasternak been away from Bergeron and Marshawn, and how much has he helped a guy like Taylor Hall? Incredibly. It, it, was, it was a bit of a struggle for Taylor to begin the season when they had the three big boys on their own, just trying to find, again, playing with the Foligno, not being able to keep up, and, and moving around. Jack Stadnico was at center for a while, then Charlie Coyle was there at center. And that's why Eric Holla works as well, because he can keep up. His pace is quick out on the ice. He's, he keeps up with both of those guys and defers to them and can, can back up whatever they're, whatever they're up to, especially David. We know he can turn it over sometimes. That's just the creativity he has. So Taylor's been energized playing with David, and I think David's embraced being a guy that pushes. But, but Taylor pushes that line as well. The two of them kind of trade off on different nights who's who's driving the line and we know that taylor has been able to find david a lot they've been able to really um really find chemistry and and the goals david scored since january 1st indicates that that that's their that's the three of those guys that are doing that contribution so right now, looking at the way the, the playoff matchups all line up, just looking at the standings in general, Boston and Toronto dead tied, uh, Tampa Bay one point up on both teams. Everyone is right there. As you know, a Leafs show, we're looking at this going, boy, do you want Tampa? Do you want Florida? You know, do you want Boston? It's all, it's all in- intimidating. If you're Boston, do you want Toronto? Are you looking at the available teams and saying this is our best bet to get through? I'm not sold on that. I think that's the collective thought here in this area. Okay. Um, I think just based off the goaltending, you just go right to that. I mean, if you're, you're picking Tampa Bay or Toronto, I don't want to play Vasilevsky in, in any seven-game series. I mean, you're, you're always choosing against that. I, but, I, but I also think, you know, the Bruins have young goaltending. It's not the same kind of group that we've seen in 17 and 18 and 19 and Matthews and Marner and Tavar, like those guys are scoring at a different level as well. So I, I don't know what you guys think, but, I, and I, I just see this whole Eastern conference that like you don't really, you can't really pick anybody one way or the other. Like we've done this game down here and I keep going to, there's four good three, at least three teams that think they're Stanley cup contenders right now, not playing on May 10th. It's crazy how good these teams are. And to, I, I I just am not convinced that there's any matchup better than anyone else for these seven teams that are, that are in the mix, and certainly the ones in the Atlantic Division. And it'll be interesting to see how they jockey down the down the stretch, and if anyone does see a matchup, and if they try and try and convert that or not. 
One more for you, Razor, before we let you go. Uh, are, are Bruins fans nervous that uh, this is Patrice Bergeron's last season in the NHL? <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. There's a, that was the whole – That's the, uh, beyond any other, you know, adding Lynn home, but who's going to be the center when Patrice leaves? Whenever that is, who's going to be the number one? That's the, that's the question that comes up next, no matter – what we're talking about. And, and even if it's a Stanley cup playoff run right now, well, who's going to be the center when Patrice, who's going to take over this team. So they are nervous that there's, there's trepidation, whether he's going to come back or not. Uh, I haven't got a sense one way or the other. I feel like he's got a pretty good setup here in Boston that uh, why not play a little bit longer, but, but he's got a lot of miles on that body as well. So it, they, everyone is holding their breath, hoping that he can squeeze another year or two out of his body. Unfortunately for our producer, Sammy and Leaf Nation, uh, he's he's not retiring before tonight's game. <laughs> no, he had a little maintenance day this morning, too. So he should be took the kids to school, I'm sure, and he'll be ready to go tonight. Andrew Raycroft, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the game tonight. You got it, guys. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Kipper, what is this stuff about Bergeron and not playing next year? I've, I only hear it from this show and from, from you. Is it a rumor? Oh, strong one. Really? Yes. Like he's, he guy's one of the 10 best players in the league today. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> Get him out of here. Please. It's about time. He's been around enough. Take him out behind the shit. You're the Boston Bruins, and he's holding the level that he's holding, and you don't want to sign him to an extension like yesterday. Well, I'm sure they do. So yeah, you're saying, saying he's no. like... He's saying no. They're like, we'll give you 10. I'll, I'll, he's re, like, uh, I'll revisit uh, my situation at the end of the year. Imagine being he, in a place he, financially in your he, life where someone offers you $10 million and you're like... Ah, he, by the way, he's the last guy on the planet that would play any games at all. What do you mean? Well, I mean... Oh, about like bluffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bluffing, looking at options, thinking about playing somewhere Tom else. Tom Brady, oh, I'm going to retire. Per- oh, please beg me to come back. Personally... I think for him, for his family, for, you know, his level of play, the right thing to do <laughs> is step away. The right thing for Sammy. Step away while you're feeling, like, you know, Wait you're... for the leaves for a million no, dollars. I, yeah, yeah, if you want to do that, you know, <laughs> sign the Spezza deal, 750K. Yeah. But just step away, Patrice. You've had a great career. And you know what? Quality of life when you're retired, you can't get back that damage to your body. Do the right thing. Retire. Please. And don't love of God, retire, please. <laughs> ton of mileage on that body. And well, concussions. Funny. He, he was like, uh, Raycroft was like, you know, everyone holding their collective breath. I was like, meanwhile, Bergeron had a punctured lung and he won a Stanley Cup was, with it. Was it about six weeks ago he fell uh, awkwardly into the boards? I don't know about that, but I know he had an infected elbow about yes, two he, weeks that, ago. That's, yeah, Is that he, where the cut happened? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, this okay. was a while ago. I think he missed uh, maybe a handful of games. Yeah. But... That's the stuff that he's got to start thinking about. It's just, yeah. Well, it's true, though. I mean, you made a decision to not take any more wear and tear in your body. And the last game I ever played in, I shattered my jaw and was like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Uncle. Yeah. I just <laughs> had know? one word when I, the when I, Coyote when I got son. knocked out at uh, MS, MSG. Uncle. Tap, tapping out. That'll do me. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Wayne Scanlon, uh, Ottawa Senators writer for many years, who's currently working on Sportsnet ca is going to come by and, and talk a little bit of Eugene Melnick and uh, and the future of the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. That and more. Jamal Mayer is including in the uh, second hour.
You're listening and watching on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Real Kipper and Born. Uh, back after the break. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Habs tickets on April 9th is Anderson. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. How surprised were you to hear the news about Eugene Melnick passing away? Yeah, I guess one of those things where initially quite surprised, but then you look back at, you know, he had a liver transplant a couple years ago, three, three, four years ago. So, you know, knowing there's some health history there, I guess not entirely. We'll ask the same question to our next guest, Dwayne Scanland, uh, who, of course, covered the Ottawa Senators for many years uh, with the Ottawa Citizen and now writing for Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet.ca. Man, I got marbles in my mouth today. It's fine. What's going on? No, I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, how are you, pal? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Um, gee, where do we start? Um, just in terms of, first and foremost, uh, the news when it hit you and... Basically, how surprised were were many people, including Ottawa fans? You know, I, I just think about the, the the people that that made sure that Eugene Melnick's name trended at least uh, half a dozen times a year. I think are the same people that woke up this morning and maybe utter disbelief. Yeah, no, absolutely, Nick. And I think we had heard that you know he was in some decline in terms of his health, but I think it's still shocking. Um, you know, when you get the news late last night, and it's interesting you mentioned you know his name in the headlines and, and people being worked up about Eugene Melnick and maybe something that he said or some direction he was going to take the team. Some of the people that were most you know furious with Eugene are the people that are coming out today and expressing you know great gratitude and a lot of respect, and you know. So Social media is not always a pleasant place to live in, as you know, and it's kind of nice to see the respect and the tributes coming out of Eugene Melnick. And without him, maybe the centers, you know, the senators may not even be in Ottawa today. So a complicated legacy then. I, I think it's fair to say that with Melnick uh, in regards to Ottawa, the senators, the NHL, his stewardship of that franchise. How will senators fans remember Eugene Melnick, the owner, and uh, his time there. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's positive and not so positive. That's that's for sure. But I think first and foremost, you think of the guy that came in in 2003 and saved the team from being swept out of here and maybe moved to the United States or you know God knows what might have happened. But he he took them out of bankruptcy, and uh, now on the ice they had a pretty good team. 2003 Eastern Conference uh, final team, and uh, you know they went on. He. he he guided them to a Stanley Cup final berth in 2007. In 06, they might have won the Cup if Dominic Kashuk doesn't get hurt. So some good times, I think, especially in the first uh, 10 to 12 years of his tenure. After that, you know, they, they had to, to rebuild and kind of the downside. And Daniel Alfredson left the program a couple of times. I mean, he left as a player and then he left as a, as a member of the executive team. So some some difficult times here. Um, this is a guy that was supposed to maybe take the franchise downtown and, and build a, a brand-new spanking arena uh, close to Parliament Hill. That never happened for a bunch of reasons. Um, but, you know, the, the fruits and the seeds 
of the the rebuild, uh, they're starting to take root now, and and you're seeing it with, you know, some of the, the great players that they have. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of sad. I think he'll be remembered again that if these guys become competitive in a few years and and maybe threaten to win a Stanley Cup, people will be thinking of uh, Eugene Melnick and how much he would have enjoyed it. He did have a little Frank Sinatra in it where it was just, <laughs> I'm going to do it my way. And at times it got in his way. It got in the way of Senator fans. But, man, his, his passion and his love for his team never wavered one bit did it and and even even the push for people to have him sell this team up until i'm sure uh his last seconds never entered in the equation did it no 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 he, he stubbornly hung on now he threatened to move it a couple times who could forget you know you've got the whole world the whole hockey world tuned into ottawa which doesn't happen all the time uh and the game was supposed to take place in parliament hill that couldn't happen because of security reasons but they still had a great venue outdoor venue at td place and he happens to, and you know the commissioner's in town gary bettman's not in ottawa all the time and he chooses you know this moment to to kind of muse about, ah, you know, if I don't get more fans in the stands, maybe I'll just take this franchise out of here. Uh, just kind of thinking out loud, which is just kind of the way that he operated. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's lots of questions, um, not about what, what has transpired, but what happens next. Um, I believe he has two daughters. So what happens with ownership of the Ottawa Senators now? Well, you can be sure that he's thought this out. Um, you know, he had that transplant, I think it was around 2015 or so, uh, he's been in some, you know, had some health issues since then. Uh, I, I know that he's thought this through. I know that he said repeatedly that this team is going to stay in the family and that his girls were going to own this team for many years to come. So I think it's going to be very interesting in the days and weeks to come to see how this plays out. But, uh, you know, his, his oldest daughter, I think, is 23. She's either 23 or turning 23 this year. So these are young girls, young women, and uh, so you know maybe there's a, a board of directors that helps run things. Maybe they bring in someone else to manage it. I know they brought back Aaron Crow. I don't know if you guys know this, but Aaron Crow was the best you know financial officer they ever had, and they brought her back on board about a year ago. And people thought, what's Aaron Crow doing back here? You know, we thought she was long gone. She was an alternate governor at, at one time of this franchise. And now you can kind of see why. Like she's the perfect person to maybe, you know, pave the groundwork for the succession. So how, how it's going to go, whether these women decide they're going to sell the team and, and take their equity out and have someone else operate it, who knows. But you know that Eugene Melnick wants the team here. And he wants those uh, those young girls looked after. So it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And we're not going to pretend to be estate lawyers or accountants here. <laughs> but, Wayne, this, this, this has a chance to be very complicated in the next little while for Ottawa Senator fans. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I think people in Ottawa have always been skittish. I mean, we never thought up here that we get a franchise it was supposed to go to Hamilton and then we get a team and no one has confidence that they're going to remain or that we could draw a crowd I mean you had 10,000 fans was all you could could bring into the old Civic Center you know downtown so 
uh, there's always been that concern around here that something terrible is just around the corner. So that's that's never going to change. But you know, let, let's hope that you know Eugene Melnick thought this out, and with the interest of the NHL and Gary Bettman has fought before to keep this team here in Ottawa and I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will again it's, so it's, it's, that's not in the equation that this team could still get up and leave like that's that's I would think that if this team went to market there'd be a number of parties interested in owning the Ottawa Senators no no question and I think I think it's fair to say that some of those bids have been rebuffed in the last several years because there there mm-hmm. have been bids to to buy this team, to, to buy it from Eugene Melnick, and he said no every time. Now, we thought he might take on some partners at some point, uh, just to lessen the burden and maybe, you know, help things out, but, you know, that didn't happen. Um, and now it's just going to be fascinating to see uh, what happens with the, with the ownership of this franchise. Well, and there's no sense for us in pretending like Melnick didn't have uh, his, some opposition and some enemies uh, in some certain fronts. And I, and I wonder if you see any possibility for some things that were once options to become options down the road here. I'm speaking specifically about LeBreton Flats, the potential for a new arena deal. Um, is that something that you could see becoming relevant once again for, for the Sens? Oh, there's no question, Justin. I think that's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, there, the, Melnick didn't live here. He was uh, still convinced. Ottawa's kind of a small town. It's a national capital, but it's still kind of a small sports town. And, you know, everybody knows everybody else. Uh, the, the Oseg people that, that run the, the Red Blacks and the junior hockey team here, the 67s, they're, they're all local people. Uh, they've got deep pockets. Whether or not they'd want to get involved in owning the Senators, I don't know. But there are business people here, um, civic people, the mayor, that are just dying for an opportunity to maybe work with a, a different sort of partner uh, representing the Ottawa Senators, and whether that's members of the, the Melnick family or a board of directors, but just some people that couldn't make it work with Eugene Melnick. Trinity Developments, I mean, they, they have a lawsuit pending against uh, Melnick over the, the whole LeBreton debacle when it fell apart. So I think you're right. I think um, everything's a possibility now. Everything is a possibility, and I'm just wondering now, Wayne, if 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 you've had a, a pulse on the community, is it going to be good enough for them to uh, maybe have Melnick's daughters own the team and obviously work it through uh, estate lawyers or or Aaron or, or anyone else, and and that's going to be good enough, or will they see this as a a, a clean slate to bring in? new ownership, billionaire ownership, where they don't have to worry about nickel and diming like we've seen in in the last little while? And is it also an opportunity for the NHL to have a clean slate with new ownership, with deep pockets, and, and, and not, you know, possibly maybe even go against maybe Eugene's wishes of, of leaving it to his daughters? Do you, do you see that scenario at all? Well, I think it is possible, and you know, we we haven't heard from uh, from these women yet whether you know that's really what they want their future to be. That they want to be you know involved in a an NHL franchise like their like their father. We don't know that, so I think that has to play out. But I, I don't think there's any question, Nick, that you know <laughs> this organization needs an infusion of, of capital and infusion of belief, 
Uh, fans need to believe in something. It's been five years. This will be five years this spring without a, a playoff berth. Uh, and, you know, uh, you're going to have to pay these guys. Like, they, they paid Brady Kachuk this year, but there's a whole right. bunch more coming down the pipe with Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla and all these other guys. Jake Sanderson just arrived in Ottawa and starting his, what should be an illustrious career. He'll have to be paid down the road. So, it's great having these high draft picks and the great talent, but you got to pay them too, and that's going to be you know in the years to come. So that's all got to come together, you know, in some form, whether it's a, a group ownership, a board, uh, one very wealthy individual. However, it shakes out, um, this team it definitely needs uh, a little bit of a boost. And whether it is um, left in the family or or new ownership. Man, what a what a team, what a roster of talented young kids anyone's going to walk into here. Oh, yeah. They're they're just so fun to watch and I, I give DJ Smith the head coach credit cuz he's he's running these kids out. He's running these kids out there like Stutzler took a face off uh late in that game and it was like game on the line. It's like what is he doing out there? He just moved over to the center position this year. And, you know, he lost the draw, and the Panthers tie it up, and it goes to overtime, and the overtime is just unbelievable. At one point, there's a four-on-three for Ottawa, and they got four forwards out there. So <laughs> I like the way that the DJ at times is, is really loosening the leash on these guys and just letting them play. And, and he said after the game, he said, that's a coach's nightmare. Uh, we end up losing a shootout. We blew a three-goal lead. But how much fun are these kids going to be to watch in the years to come? So, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to look forward you know, to in this, uh, in this organization and this roster. Wayne, we really appreciate your time on uh, on this uh, this uh, subject uh, of the Ottawa Senators. We'll uh, we'll wait to see what happens in the next weeks, months. Who knows how long it it takes to really figure out who's going to be the permanent owner, the next owner of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Wayne, thanks for doing this. My pleasure, guys. Wayne Scanlon, senior writer senior for writer. Sportsnet.ca, and uh, a guy that's uh, followed uh, the Senators over the last twenty plus years as much yeah. as anyone. Great pulse on uh, on what's going on there. I find it a little challenging to talk about Melnick right now because there is the immediate sadness and, you know, for his family and you feel bad and, and all that. Yeah. And, and that'll be today and yeah. tomorrow. And then the... Uh, the transition, the, the, the there's respect, so many questions now. The, the respect, of, you know, for the loss yeah. will be over and everybody's going to be wanting to know What's going to happen next what with now? the Ottawa Senator? Who owns the Ottawa Senator? You know, you look at the players that franchise has let walk away over the years from Mark Stone to Eric Carlson, Mika Zibanejad. I mean, you can, it's a long list. A very competitive team, but they didn't want to pay anyone. You know, and they struggled to get fans it was, in it's seats. It's starting to happen again. Nick Paul. I know Nick Paul's a great example of someone that three hundred million bucks. No, I'll give you a better example of that. Okay. When it comes to the management of the Ottawa Senators, my understanding is the only ones that have contracts moving forward are Pierre Dorian mm. and DJ Smith. So there is a number of people, including assistant coaches, and oh, probably no. so all these people need new deals. Pierre Dorian was not allowed to give them new deals. Eugene Melnick, prior to him passing away. Yeah would not grant him permission to, to look after uh, people for next year. So that's the stuff that Ottawa fa- Senator fans want to stop. Yeah. Enough already. Act like a big league team. 
and take care of the people that have taken care of you. Right. Yeah. No, there's, it, it is going to be interesting because you mentioned some of the names with Norris and Stutzla and some of these guys that are going to need contracts. Uh, going to be interesting to see if the Sens get someone who is willing to invest in the players so the team can be competitive so people want to go. Because once the people want to go, then you get some some gate coming in and get a new building. And Sammy, build up the Battle of Ontario again. Oh, Sammy's out. Where's Sammy? Out. I don't know. Oh, oh I'm back? There he is. There he is. Hey. Bathroom uh, break? No, no. I was sitting here the whole time. <laughs> I always think of Melnick and uh, Bobcat always coming on primetime sports and those conversations they used to have. And he would always say something that he wasn't. Well, there's to say. a real Toronto uh, connection be, there. But that used to piss people in Ottawa off. That yeah. he would come on 590 and yeah. wouldn't do local radio as much. Yeah, I remember that specifically. I always remember listening to those interviews, their appointment interviews, and I just, it's a, it's a guy that's been in the, as a very interesting owner in the in the league for a long time. A guy that always like like Wayne was talking about drove headlines and. Was always sort of like I mean, you guys talked Pretty about him at the winter class, guys, yeah. Right? Oh yeah, for sure, million and dollars to St. Michael's for uh, their football stadium. He donated. Wow. Yep. Yep. It just uh, it's a big loss. It was just a real shocking one. You know, it's a guy that's just been such a constant in everyone's sort of hockey watching lives. He's been around for so long in terms of just everybody sort of not taking him for granted, but just having him around as one of the owners. And it just was a shocking one, boys. It really, you mm-hmm. know, it, it it was one that really caught me off guard. So you were saying the daughters are, he said the daughters are like 23 and 20 yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I think they're university uh, aged Like I got to believe, I, it doesn't sound like it because I've talked to a couple people now in the last hour, but like got to believe they would just sell it and say, well, give me uh, my yeah, quarter of I a billion know. dollars I, each. And I, I would I would think that he, he would have had his estate, like Wayne said, kind of looked after. Sure. Like, especially when you've gone through a, a liver transplant. Yes, I would have, and that was what 2015, 2016. Was it that long ago, yeah. Okay, I would have assumed at that point that a lot of things would have been at least decided or, or looked after in estate planning, but it's complicated here. Well, There's... and if they don't want that for their lives, I mean, that's that's a commitment being a part of a <laughs> running the Ottawa Senators. Now, one of the daughters is uh, is working for the Senators. I think okay. she's interning. And maybe slowly, in a perfect world, it would have been nice to have the next three or four years yeah. uh, go under a few uh, umbrellas and, and learn the business or parts of it. But right. now you're potentially thrust right into that. What's just so hard is the team doesn't have operating revenue. They lose money, right? I think you were at, what, 10, 20, 30 million a year? The number's big. They lose a lot of money. So for those girls to properly invest in the players and the team and pay all these contracts, you know, where's that money going to come from? The equity's in the team. That's all that's there is the equity of the team. But you're right. Uh, You assume that the Ottawa Senators have been running at a loss for a lot of years here. Right. So I, I just don't understand how it gets better for the Sens, how suddenly they get a new bill. Like, they need a lot of money it's, here, it's, a lot. It, it's no Hundreds different. Of it's, it's, I think it's no different when someone leaves your house. Say, you know, you, you, want, you want to leave your kids a $10 million house. Yeah. It's great. I now have a $10 million house. But what I also need to do is pay property tax yeah, on yeah. that house. <laughs> I got to heat the house. Yeah. I got to look after the gardener, the pool guy. Yeah. And that the basement. Cash. Yeah, right. 
So what everyone does then is sells the house. And they pay That's... everyone what they're owed and take your taxes, government, and we'll we'll go home with our whatever you left after that six million dollars in your ten million dollar house. Yeah, and that's where it can get really complicated and inheritance tax. There's a but we don't know what the debt is, guys, also on this team. Like you can sit there and say, Oh, the Seattle Kraken sold for six fifty, therefore the and, Ottawa Senators are worth six fifty. Well, six fifty was just a Get start. Was it six fifty for Seattle? Is that what the number was? I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yes. five hundred for Vegas, six fifty. Yeah. So, okay, but it's what, probably worth seven fifty then, right? There's a few creditors out there, and I don't know what uh, the death of Eugene Melnick means to them. Whether or not that uh, gives them an opportunity to square up now, or do the daughters inherit the uh, the debt? So. If I'm a Sens fan, what I'm hearing, listening to you and I, is if they sell the team, there's a chance someone with deep pockets comes in and invests and this thing can get turned around. If they try to keep the team and keep squeaking by on revenue and revenue sharing from around the league, it's going to be more of the same. And that's where I think that's when the frustration will start again. Yeah. And do do uh, the daughters have to get the stamp of approval from the board of governors? Like would Batman and NHL? everyone say, yeah, or that's okay, they, they can run it? Do they do they automatically get that? Like what sort of say would the league have in that? I think of when the NBA owners or the NBA decided that Donald Sterling, you know, was no longer fit to be an owner. They just said, you can't have the team anymore. Like what power does the league have I, to I, say you can't run the team? Yeah, t- you can't I, I don't team. believe that they do have the power right. if, if there's... Uh, without incident. Without something of, of reason. Just cause. Just cause. Yeah. But I, I just keep going back to where the arena is there, and it's not in a great spot, and... Like it's oh, talked, it's talked, it's, ta- it's ta- yeah, it's in a, the opposite of a great spot. <laughs> that that a space at uh, Le Breton. Yeah. It's, it's there. It's waiting. So it it's was, on hold. It was just about the relationship with Melnick going south with the owners of that property. He basically wanted a free building there built for him. Yeah. And then he wanted to cash in on all the, the revenue. So you need someone I mean, to He wanted a sweetheart more. deal yeah. that uh, nobody was interested in, uh, and partnering up with. And like, no disrespect to the daughters may be awesome. They may be genius businesswomen. I don't know. But it seems far-fetched for someone in their early 20s to go strike deals like this. And I understand that they would be a part of a greater board that would make these decisions. And maybe that's how it happens. But it's... There's just a chance, though, if you built the arena there and you spent a bunch of... Like, this can work in Ottawa. It can turn it into... It can work. It can turn into something big. But it's just... It's I a think, lot of money before that happens. I think whether it's... Uh, Eugene Melnick's daughters or the NHL, the moment you put up a for sale sign there, uh, I think there could be a, a handful of teams. You could create a bidding war. Yeah. Uh, well, with some, some people with some deep pockets. Any sports franchise now is like a hyper-valuable commodity. It feels like the, the, the value of franchise, sports franchises have gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Sens may not, they may be near the low end of that, but they're still probably worth 700 million. I don't know, 750. I don't know what the number would be. Making numbers up. Again. No we should get our boy from Forbes back on. Nobody's just going in there. Not what, a bad what call. You we should get our boy from Forbes back on. Michael Ozzy Mendias. I don't remember his, his name, but it's uh, with a no. Nobody Ozzie is just going in there and stroking checks. Okay? They got, they, got, they got to start now forensic analysis. What is the debt on this? What is owed? Yeah. And when is it? Uh, when, when are the, the cash calls? 
what is the interest rates that Eugene's borrowed this money on? Right? Do, does all of that get revisited? I can't revisited? wait to talk about hockey after this next break. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the short term and the long term. Yeah. All right, Sammy, are we giving away tickets? Oh, yes, we are, sir. I'm just uh, grabbing my uh, trusty read here. Uh, we're giving away tickets for April 9th against the Montreal Canadiens on a Saturday night. Uh, all you have to do is download Friday, Monday, and Tuesday episodes of our show, Real Kipper and Born, and listen uh, for the different code words that will be placed in the podcast. Then text each code word to 59590, and you will be entered for a chance to win. Each code word counts as an entry, and the winner will be selected on Wednesday. Nice. All right, all right, all right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Jamal Mayers former National Hockey League player, over 900 games played. Sportsnet analyst will join us after the break, and we'll get his thoughts on the Boston Bruins and the Leafs tonight. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.